You are listening to From Where I Stand, a podcast produced by St. Charles Barmeo Church, Montgomery Township, New Jersey. For some, it's standing on a subway platform. For others, standing in line at the supermarket checkout. It can be on the best day you've ever had or the worst moment of your life. Or just standing somewhere, anywhere, on an ordinary Wednesday. It's the moment when you realize you are being called to some new choice, to use your life in some new way. Here at St. Charles, we know God calls us. And it's not just at a certain age or stage of life. Sometimes, in the most ordinary moment, we see life, our life, in a different way. And for most, it doesn't happen in church or a religious event. Here each week, we'll share the story of someone who has experienced that call. Their life might be just like yours, or nothing like it. But as you listen, you might find yourself realizing, I've been called too, from where I stand. Hello everyone, my name is Andrea O'Brien and welcome to From Where I Stand. My guests today are Michelle and Tatiana Swain, and they are here to share about their experience as a mother and a daughter from a biracial family during these times of the Black Lives Matter movement. Thank you, ladies, for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. So to start, Michelle, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am of biracial background. Um, My mother is Asian Filipino, and uh, my father is African-American. In an American society where we are often faced with checking a, a box, and the option is usually check one box. I, I check African-American. So I've been a member of St. Charles for approximately nine, ten years now. Um, ever since then, I made it a point to be as active with my religious journey um, in an effort to grow closer to God. So Tatiana, tell us a little bit about yourself. Right, yeah. So um, whereas my mom came from a biracial family, I am more so from a multiracial family, although I primarily identify with being Black. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really great. Uh, I guess growing up with having, like, a, that type of identity is wonderful, at least for me, because it's, to me, a part of each of my family that I take with me and will forever have with me. And I'm very proud of having that type of heritage. And, uh, but I've been with St. Charles for nine to 10 years, I believe. Yep. So you both bring some really interesting perspective to the current times we live in. You know, when we talk about calling, there is usually a unique story that accompanies a particular interest or a passion about something. It sounds like growing up in a biracial family and being very loving and inclusive of cultures and differences It's allowed you to experience the current events such as the murder of George Floyd and others and the whole Black Lives Matter movement in a really unique way. So Michelle, let me start with you. How do you feel you've been called by these current events? Well, I have to say that I I find it mind-boggling that in this day and age there is 
so much anger and hate. Um, it's challenging or rather difficult for me to see these or grasp that these racist events are still occurring when I grew up in a microcosm of a very diverse community in Browns Mills, uh, New Jersey. Um, just let me share, I wanted to share some statistics um, from a 2019 survey from Forbes magazine. 11% um, um, of the respondents have never traveled outside of the state they were born. Over uh, like 54% um, visited 10 states or fewer. I mentioned this because I, I was exposed to different cultures at a young age. And um, for me, it was the love of different cultural, um, and it was just that, it was love. It, you know, I felt like love has no color and I'm a product of that. I, I didn't have to travel to experience different cultures because I lived it at home and it, it was all I knew. And the concept of color was not talked about in our household. You know, mom was mom, not Asian, Filipino mom. Um, dad was dad, not African-American dad. And uh, when we lived overseas, we never lived in base housing. We always lived with, um, with the locals. And... I didn't know I was any color until I was 10 years old, um, fast forward living in, in New Jersey, when it was, I was playing with my neighbor, who was white, and she said to me, you're mixed. And I, it wasn't my mother or my father that revealed my racial identity. It was the white neighbor in our very diverse neighborhood that gave me my racial label, which means, you know, she was taught that, and, and I wasn't. So... Um, I embrace differences because it adds a unique perspective based on one's experiences, um, making the world not so homogeneous. And I know as a fact, you can live peacefully and learn from others that are different from you. So I feel if I can live by example and be my true authentic self by living that example, um, helping uh, individuals understand that with patience that there can be racial harmony, patience and understanding. So talking about my experiences or sharing my experiences as a person of a color is how I believe I've, I've been called by these events um, to do my part with the healing and the changing of negative systemic stereotypes associated with people of color. Tatiana, I'm going to turn to you now. Clearly, you are passionate about this calling, as you have chosen to attend a historically black university and have focused on African-American studies at university. Can you share more about how you came to make these choices and how did you know these were the right things for you to do? I have attended for almost my whole life, up until college, um, predominantly white institutions, which were wonderful, wonderful schools um, and really allowed me to get a great education. Um, but I think I had what's kind of known as like an aha moment, right? When um, I was in eighth grade and I was taking the SSATs. And in those tests, there is a portion, right? And it, it asks you what your, what your race is, not ethnicity, but rather what your race is, which is what um, you are identified as in the United States of America. So I see that there's biracial, I see multiracial, I see Hispanic, I see Pacific Islander, I see black and I see white. And I'm looking at this, this section like what, what mm, why can I 
can I uh, pick more than, than one? But it says pick one. So I, I had to make a decision in that second as to what I identify as. And I did decide to choose black because no matter what my ethnicity is and what I personally identify as, the world sees me if I walk down the street as black. So I decided to choose black. And in that moment, I was I, I, I questioned a lot of things. I was like, but why are, are there these sections where we determine what our race is? Why do we have to do these specific things for testing? And the more I questioned that, the more I kind of got into, okay, this is, this is like purposeful. There's a reason for this. So in that moment, I decided that I wanted to go to an HBCU. And uh, HBCU, as you mentioned before, is a historically black college university. And what I knew I could get from there is another, another sense of home, right? Because they support you. There's uh, primarily black teachers and professors, which I had before. And they were really, really great influences on my life. And I think that is important as an African-American woman to have black teachers in your life, right, to, mm -hmm. to help guide you. And so while I was in college, I decided, you know, I, I like to talk. I do. I like to talk. And um, I like to talk about things that I'm passionate about. And uh, so that's why I decided to major in broadcast journalism and uh, minor in Afro-American studies. Um, as a black woman, you have to work three times harder to get to the place that you want to be. And at HBCU just put me in a significant position to further my understanding about um, my ethnicity and what I can do for for others and to promote others' voices. So that's why I decided to go to HBCU and broadcast and uh, major in broadcast journalism and minor in Afro American studies. Tatiana, so let me ask you this: When you made the decision to attend a historically black university, how have others responded to this passion of yours? Have you met with resistance or has it helped to create new relationships or connections with others? In my, in, in Princeton, there's a very large um, like push for Ivy Leagues, which is great. Ivy Leagues are wonderful, um, but they are, um, it, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in a space where I knew that I could very much so thrive and get more of an understanding of myself. I often say that if I did go to an Ivy it probably would have been, I, I probably would be the same person, I'd like to say, but it, there are things that I got out of in HBCU culture that I would not have gotten from mm -hmm. a PWI or IV culture. So while I was applying to college, I had a lot of people who were like, I would say what school I was interested in, which was Howard University. Woohoo, shout out, I'm a modern, just graduated this May. They would always say, oh, Harvard? And I was like, no, 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 Howard University. They're like, so Harvard? I'm like, no, no, guys, no. And there's like this, I guess you could say a stereotype that HBCUs are not as good as IVs in terms of education. And I very much so found that to be incorrect. I thought that going to my HBCU was going to help me educationally in ways that I had never gotten before. So I did get some resistance or some misunderstanding, I guess you could say, from attending an HBCU. So we're going to switch direction a bit. I'm wondering, where does God come into this? In these times of Black Lives Matter, have you found a connection between your calling and your own sense of faith or your connection with God? Michelle, I'll start with you. Um, God plays a huge role in my life, period. Um, there's, growing up, 
um, there was a favorite song of mine <laughs> that we used to always sing at mass, and that was "Let There Be Peace on Earth." And um, I, I, uh, the verse that stuck the most with me was the last verse where it said, "Let it begin with me." You know, I do believe if I share with others my um, experiences of racial inequality or racial microaggressions. And at the same time, attached to having parents from two different countries and, you know, two different races and two different religions, but it was um, essentially my father's love. And it's my faith in God and my walk with God that guides me through navigating um, some of the hurts and the hurtful actions associated uh, with racial inequality. But it also, you know, gives me the strength to continue uh, the quest for justice um, for all human beings. So I believe that that's why I'm called to be also an active participant um, with St. Charles uh, Justice um, Advocacy Ministry. Thank you, Michelle. So Tatiana, as a young person, how does your faith or how has your faith been impacted by all of this? I feel as, you know, as, as a young person growing up, not just myself, but I'm sure many others have had this feeling of of not of maybe questioning their faith, right? Of being like, why, you know, why did this happen? Why did this take place? I mean, why would God allow this? But it's not God who is allowing anything to happen, right? It's it's uh, it's humanity. It's it's us. We we need to do better. Sad to see all these transgressions happen, but for me, this this isn't anything new. I mean, uh, Black Lives Matter is from a hundred plus years of oppression in in slavery, and and it's in systemic oppression, which has to do with voting, housing, financial matters, um, laws in general, public safety. I mean, this is all things that the Black community has suffered with oppression, and so it's important to show the correct narrative to everyone. And, and God helps me by strengthening me. He helped me by showing me not only from my mother's story of her father marrying into Catholicism, but rather my dad, who also converted into Catholicism because of the faith and love that we have for God in showing us what is right, showing us what is the right way, which is to indeed love thy neighbor and to embrace all differences. Tatiana, do you sense a relationship between your calling and what you hope for our world? It is a lot, and it is like emotionally kind of taxing to see, you know, yet that un- that yet another black person has um, died, or you know, so on and so forth. But I believe that my passion for this is connected to my calling because there are such things as um, allyship and support, right? And allyship is support to a minority. And that can be seen in various different ways. So support can be um, like an example of going to a protest, right? And just being there physically to say, I am in support. It can be in having a conversation with your friend who maybe after a day of seeing some really taxing and and negative things such as, you know, George Floyd's murder and and others um, is, is there for you to ask, are you okay? How are you doing? What can I do to help? You know, it's not always about like, okay, I'm going to organize this march and we're going to go down here. I mean, there are very, very just small portions of of change that can be 
implemented from one individual person or many people in order to cause change to happen. It gives, it gives me hope and it gives me faith in, in, in God because, you know, people are doing something about it. Michelle, I'm going to ask you, how has this calling given you hope for our world? I have hope because of the love that my parents has showed us or exhibited, right? Um, I have faith because of the uh, beautiful gift of religion my uh, mother gave to our family. Um, I have faith and hope uh, that I can be that example to help others make that important change and to essentially be a catalyst of change. Um, I have hope uh, that when I see my children and their diverse friends, you know, confidently assert themselves and feel the need to correct these present-day inequalities and doing this by engaging in protests and town halls and mm-hmm. board of education meetings, uh, voicing the need for curriculum change, um, such as including more than one month of African-American history, because no matter how horrible slavery is, it's still American history that everyone should know about. And um, then I'm evangelizing my faith and hope um, to help with creating anti-racist citizens of the world, which um, I believe to be my calling, and, and that's how I can connect. Mm-hmm. Beautifully stated. Thank you. Um, So before we end our conversation, I'm wondering if there are any last or parting words you'd like to share with listeners. Michelle? Sure. So um, there's definitely a movement and a a revolution that's taking place against uh, racial inequality. And, you know, I, I go back to my favorite song, you know, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. So let it begin with you and educate yourself about systemic racism and being a minority, you know, and be that catalyst. You be that catalyst for change and be an ally for justice. Thanks, Michelle. Tatiana, do you have anything to add? I think there's a conversation whenever Black Lives Matter uh, matters comes up, which is, I mean, but of course all lives matter. And I agree that all lives do matter. I have a, a scripture that kind of um, that summarizes what, what I'm trying to communicate here. So Jesus in Luke 15, he has 100 sheep, but one goes missing. Jesus then leaves the 99 and goes after the one. The 99 sheep ask him, but what about us? Don't we matter? And Jesus responds, of course the 99 still matter but they are not the ones in danger. So I leave you with that quote. Hopefully everyone can take from it what they will. But um, in my opinion, it just means that, of course, God does love all of us. And, you know, we, we hope that everyone is treated fairly and justly. And that's all we're asking in the Black Lives Matter movement. Thank you, ladies. Our guests today have been Michelle and Tatiana Swain, who have kindly shared about their calling as a mother and a daughter from a biracial family during the Black Lives Matter movement. It has been great talking with you ladies today. Thank you for taking the time to share your story with us. Thank Thank you you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for allowing us to have this platform to speak about our experiences. Absolutely, yeah. Join us next time when our guest, 
Maggie Ryan, will share with us about her work as a counselor and licensed clinical social worker during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for listening to From Where I Stand. The C3 Project, Creating a Culture of Calling, is a multi-denominational initiative sponsored by Vibrant Faith and funded by the Lilly Endowment. If you would like to learn more, go to www.barameo.org and click on the C3 Project tab.